0: So, um, I have been in Alaska for just short of eleven years. A couple of weeks from now, will be the eleventh year, or the end of the eleventh year here in Alaska. And I learned a lot of new words when I came to Alaska. I learned that you call a snowmobile a snow machine. I learned um, that the the rest of the United States is called the Lower Forty Eight. Uh, I learned words like uh, chichaco and uh, sourdough and things like that. But one of the words that that I love best is the word outside. How many of you recognize that picture? (laughs) And the reason we do is because we go outside. A lot of people have been outside just in this month. Um, I'm one of them. Uh, I was uh, outside in the the west coast of Mexico um, uh, earlier this month. My wife and I took a cruise and we saw... Whales and all kinds of fun stuff, and the reason we did is because we were tired of being in Alaska, so um, uh, we went outside we went outside, and a lot of people do, and the reason is because we get really tired of being here and we could say well it 's because it 's because it 's winter, right you know there 's only so many people who will bike to church on in the winter, you know some people do, but but not many people do there 's people who who play hockey and who ski and so forth but um, but most of us don't do that and we don't spend a lot of time outdoors, even if we are winter sports enthusiasts. And, and by February, we're probably tired of those things anyway because, uh, we probably do other things as well. So, so for a lot of reasons, we could say, well, yeah, we like to go outside because we're just tired of winter. And, and that's, that's, that's true. I mean, it's certainly true for me. Um, but I don't think it's just winter. I think that there is this desire to be, done with the current thing and to move on to the next thing that there's this restlessness that we have and i know it's not winter because um way back in the um in the uh 1800s mark twain wrote this in in tom sawyer detective so he says um it just makes a boy homesick to look ahead like that and see how far off summer is so he's writing in the springtime um but he's he's ready for summer he says and this is missouri right it's it's plenty warm in missouri in the spring he says, um, yes, it sets him to sighing and saddening around. There's nothing, something the matter with him. He don't know what. Don't you know what that is? It's spring fever. That's what the name of it is. And when you've got it, you want, oh, you don't quite know what it is you do want, but it just fairly makes your heart ache. You want it so. Now, we might call it cabin fever because we don't go out in the spring, Uh, because we'll step in some mud. But whether you call it cabin fever or spring fever, um, we have that restlessness. We have this idea of, I would like to be moving on now to the next thing. I've had plenty of this. Thank you very much. I'm getting kind of bored with it. Um, I'm getting frustrated with it. And so we're ready to move on. And, um, uh, that is a great topic for today's message because, um, we're in this, we have begun the season of Lent. This is the first Sunday of the season of Lent. And Lent is kind of um, like breakup. Nobody really likes it. That, (laughs) that, I mean, at best, people might say, "Well, I see the need for it. You know, um, I need to, uh, I need to do some things." You know, so so Lent is is a discipline we put up with more than something we. Oh, good, it's Lent. I was hoping you know we could we could have Ash Wednesday and all those things. So so uh, we put up with Lent. And um, we we put up with breakup, and so um, I want to look at the idea of breakup uh, over the next several weeks, where we are going to be looking at breakup um, as a, as a kind of uh, metaphor for a lot of the things we we do in our lives and the way that um, we we uh, deal with the frustrations and some of the problems of life, and see what our faith tells us about it and what. What um, what we all know is we get we get bored we get bored with I mean even our favorite TV show it's like ah oh, it's not not a great episode um, we get bored with everything and um, uh, we get bored with the season we get bored with winter and the the reason for that is you know you could argue why that is but Christians the answer that Christians give is that God made us this way God made us um, uh, uh, as finite creatures but god but he, but god made us to love him and god is infinite and so if we just fixated on something good about god we'd miss all the rest so god has made us to to enjoy the infinity of god sometimes you see people talk about you know I don't know what I do in heaven I'd be bored all the time the idea that christians respond with is that is that in heaven you'd finally have time to actually explore more than just the 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 faintest little bit of god's um uh infinitude that that you'd actually see and and uh, be able to relate to god uh first of all more clearly but also all of the wonders of god and not just one or two so so god made us to love variety um the uh the north african theologian writing in the 400s uh saint augustine he said this he said you made us for yourself o lord and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you that in this world, in this, while we are um, in in this age, we will not be able to to um, find any contentment um, because we are ultimately made for another age and to explore God. God made humans. If you're following in the outline, God made humans to enjoy variety. This is not something that is strange or odd. It's just the way we are made. So, so that's why we don't like being bored. We like something new. We like. Uh, we like a, a, something that's different, but there's a danger in that. There is a risk in in people who like variety, who get bored easily. And um, in in his letter, the Screw Tape letters, um, in his book, the Screw Tape letters, C.S. Lewis imagines a correspondence between two demons. How can I tempt this person? And one of them gives some, the other one some advice. He says, he says, well, you might you might really lean into boredom, right? Boredom is a great tool for us. He says, it's an endless source of heresies and religion. Folly in counsel, infidelity in marriage, and inconstancy in friendship. So, this this demon says, you know, lean into the boredom. It, it's really good for all these things that we can we can leverage. And uh, the philosopher uh, Blaise Pascal wrote in the 1600s. He said, all of man's misfortune comes from one thing, which is not knowing how to sit quietly in a room. <laughs> Some some chuckles of recognition. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that. What is what is the solution? If if God made us to to enjoy variety, um, we're going to get bored. So, what do we do in the face of that? How can we learn to to embrace things that maybe we might find boring? So, our our um, uh, the the place we're going to look for an answer today is in the sixteenth chapter of Exodus, um, as we heard uh, Bradley read. And just to kind of uh, uh, orient us in the story of Exodus, Exodus is a story of how God delivered the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, brought them safely through the Red Sea, and in chapter 15, they had a big party to celebrate how God had done that. So that was chapter 15. And in chapter 16, the grumbling begins because they say, wait a minute, um, where are the leeks and the onions, the things we love to eat in, in Egypt? And uh, God God says, "Okay, well, you miserable little ingrates, here." Um, Well, he doesn't say that. That's that's the Luke translation. Um, uh, But he says, "He says, all right, I'll give you food." So he has this this um, uh, huge um, flight of quail come through. Uh, They're knee deep in quail, and so they all get all the turkey dinners. You know, you know how we like turkey after a week, a week after Thanksgiving. Imagine if it was, was knee-deep, right? So they eat all the quail they can stand and then some. Um, and then they kind of say, I'm tired of meat. And so God says, okay, well, let me give you something else. And so that's where we pick up the story um, at the end of the, the section where he provides this thing. And it, it, it sums it up by saying, every morning they gathered it, as much as each person could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted away. What is it? Well, they haven't told us yet. It's going to be about 10 more verses before they finally say manna, which as I mentioned to the children um is is what call it. So they still don't have a name for it, but right now they're still calling it it. So, uh morning by morning they gathered it as much as they needed, but when the sun grew hot it melted. So it's strange food. It it uh melts in the sun, which means you can't sleep in. You got to get up uh, go go fetch your food for the day, and then you know you you can come back with your food and do whatever you're going to do to prepare it or whatever. But um, but you have to get up and get it before you know while the getting's good. So that's uh, verse 21, and now continuing in 22, it says on the sixth day, the people collected twice as much food as usual, two omers per person. So an Omer, I forget, it's like three quarts or something. It's a lot of food. So they, they gather up all this manna and they, they've got plenty of food and uh, more than they have been eating the last six days. And, uh, so the chiefs of the community, the, the, the leaders, they come and they tell Moses and he says, yeah, read verse five. That's what God said he was going to do. He said, uh, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil. What you want to boil, and all that is left over to be put aside, um, and keep all the leftovers until next morning. So, he says, "This is what God told you, and so just do it." This, you know, God is keeping His word. You shouldn't be surprised when God keeps His word. And um, they say, "But yeah, but." In in the middle part of this chapter, every time we keep the food overnight, it turns foul. It becomes uh, uh, the the uh, the word uh, it it stinks and it uh, grows worms in it. So, so I don't want to eat that on the second day. And and Moses says, "Well, you know, God God's aware of that problem." So, verse twenty four, they set it aside. uh, They set the leftovers aside until morning. And Moses, as Moses had commanded. And this time they didn't stink or become infested with worms. So, okay. Um, I have a somehow I have a different translation. I am using the Luke translation apparently. So, um, so there were no worms in it. So, uh, so there you go. Um, they they put it aside and there were no worms so it is it is a strange food they don't know it um, it's a strange food because it melts in the sun but you can you can bake it or boil it so it's impervious to heat when it needs to be um, it it uh, rots overnight except on certain days of the week so this is a really strange food this is some people say well it's the you know it's an excretion of some insect or they say it's uh, something comes found on plants it's like well there's no food that's like this this is a special food um somewhere uh in in the uh, psalms they call it the bread of heaven or the bread of angels so whatever it is it's a strange food and it cooperates with what god intends to do so so god gives them this food and uh, moses says okay it didn't go bad overnight so moses says uh verse 25 moses says eat it today because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. A Sabbath to the Lord. This is the first place in the Bible where the word Sabbath is used. Now, way back in, in chapter 1 of Genesis, God has a Sabbath. He rests on the seventh day. But nobody else has been told, have a Sabbath until now. So this is the first time anybody's told that today is a day of rest for you. So he says, today you won't find it out in the field. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, of the Sabbath, there will be nothing to gather. So... So uh, God has done what he promised. The, this uh, very cooperative food is there for them. Um, it stayed good overnight. And God says, so what are you going to do with your Saturday? Well, sleep in, right? You know, start by sleeping in and then rest. Don't go out to the field. There's not any food out there. But, but people being people, it says, on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather bread and they found nothing. God keeps his word. Don't be surprised if God does what he says he's going to do. Um, And God gets a little peeved, it looks like, because God says to Moses, how long will you keep my commandments and my instructions? Now, that sounds like a question, but if we had been reading all through uh, Exodus, it would be kind of a dangerous question, because the last person God asked that question to was Pharaoh. God said, how long are you going to ignore my instructions? And Pharaoh said, "You know, I don't know who you are, and I don't care." And so then there's ten plagues of of the ten plagues of Egypt. So it's a it's a dangerous question to have God ask you, "How long are you going to do this?" You might be looking at a plague of frogs or gnats or something like that. So so be careful um, uh, provoking this question out of God. But God doesn't send a plague of frogs or locusts or anything like that. Instead, God I, I can picture God sighing and just kind of going, oh, "All right." let's take it from the top and let me know when I lose you. Okay, so I'm going to start over. He says, see, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. So, we got that? Okay. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you food for two days. So, you get double the food. Are, am I, are you with me so far, right? And he says, um, each of you stay where you are. Do not leave your place on the seventh day. So, don't go out to the fields. You won't find anything, and you'll be defeating my purpose, which is to have you rest. Now, finally, verse 30, the people rested on the Sabbath day. So, so there they go. God blesses his people with rest. God's intention is that people would not work themselves uh, to the bone, that they would actually have an opportunity to rest. Now, it is easy for us to say, what a bunch of dumb Israelites, right? They should you know, they should be happy to sleep in on Saturday, and they probably should, right? But remember, a month ago, they were slaves. And when you're a slave, you don't get to rest. When, when you do rest, you get a beating. Or maybe you get told to go out and make uh, bricks without any straw. You don't get to rest when you're a slave. And they haven't had a day off in 400 years. So it's kind of understandable. They would say, you know, I don't know about this, I don't know if I'm allowed to have have a rest. And so God has to do some persuading here to get them to take a rest. Because people don't rest well. That we don't rest well. And uh, it doesn't stop when you are no longer a slave. So God gives us rest, but we don't rest well. Now, they were slaves. They've got a a little bit of an excuse, but... um, Over the next uh, couple of hundred years, we're going to find that even then, the only way that they can get people to take a rest is by making um, a requirement that people will be... There's the, the resting police who will check up on you and make sure that you're doing all the right things. And in fact, we see that throughout the New Testament. Jesus does something as innocuous as saying, be healed, and they say, that's work. And it's like, well, if he had said, you know, hi, Fred... Would that have been work? Well, it's work, right? The only way that they could, they could get people to take a rest was by saying, you must not work and then being very careful about what people did. If Jesus heals somebody, that's work. So, so you can't make people rest. Uh, it's very hard to make people rest. You can only create the circumstances where they may rest and then hope for the best. So that's what God says. God, God talks to these slaves and says, no, I was really serious. I really, really want you to rest. I'm not going to give you a beating. I'm not going to make you make bricks without straw. Just take it easy. So God says that they can rest. God gives rest to his people. But that brings us back to boredom. Okay, I can rest, but I get bored. I start doing this. How many of you have caught yourself looking at your phone during a meal? Oh... And you're liars too <laughs> okay all right well i I'll hold my hand up all right so so um so we we get bored and and you know we have these little devices with us that that um are kind of like a pacifier, you know, but you know we're supposed to grow out of those things right you know when you're two or three, you should give it up right, and you know we have these things that that uh, um, distract us so so um what what I will encourage you, you know, now that I've, the, the good news of Jesus Christ is that God gives rest to his people. So that's the good news. You can do with it what you want. You can still use your phone at dinner if you want. But um, I encourage you not to. But let me encourage you something else. If you say, but what am I going to do? I'm going to be bored. Well, the the do is the problem, right? So so don't do anything, right? And the first thing I would encourage people who, who are struggling with this idea is is maybe you need to just sleep some more. Uh, scientists tell us we need seven to eight hours of sleep, and nobody gets it. I mean, how many people got that much last night? Okay, a couple, a couple of good Christians in here, or um, uh, good humans, really good humans. So most of us don't, most of us don't. I, I forget, the average is like six hours and change. Nobody's getting that much sleep. And the younger you are, the more you need. And in fact, they need to start high school later. They need to start at about ten a.m., right? Because other than that, they're just begging for you to to check out the first three hours of the day. Okay, um, there was a state, um, Montana. They changed the the starting um, the starting time of school, and they had a whole lot less of um, uh, vehicle deaths mm. because people were awake when they were driving to school. So it's all about the buses. So. <laughs> Take your pitchforks to City Hall. Alright, uh, to the, uh, the library. So, so we, we could, we could get more sleep. All of us could afford to get more sleep. The younger you are, the more sleep you need, but nobody needs less than about seven hours. Um, and, and if you think otherwise, there's an easy experiment, which is, which is to go camping, you know, and, you know, you finished eating and the sun goes down and it's like, man, I am clunk. And then you sleep until the sun comes up. That's the rhythm we were made for but we cheat because we have these things we've got these lights so so maybe the first thing you do maybe the most spiritual act you could do as a day of rest activity is to just sleep more so try that and of course try putting your phone in a different room you know when you come to dinner try putting your phone in a different room have dinner have dinner together as a family um, go out to eat let somebody else do the work and you know i you get into kind of talmudic questions there about well, are they working? You know, so, so, uh, you can solve that problem or at least, at least solve your conscience by giving a big tip. Okay? So, so, so you, you have that time of rest. Have, have a meal, have a conversation, um, have a day off. So, I would sum that up. I was trying to be clever here. In the cause of rest, be an activist. So, be an activist in the cause of rest. Do something about it. Take it easy. So. I said that, um, I was, I, I, I got the idea of calling this breakup when I was in a conversation with some other pastors. And we we're talking about Lent. Nobody likes Lent. Even pastors don't like Lent. So, what are we going to do during Lent? And we said, you know, Lent is kind of like breakup. Nobody really likes it. We put up with it. We we understand the need for it, but it's not an enjoyable thing in itself. And we're thinking about it, and we had this conversation, and we decided what we would do is we would try to do something different, something that promoted some variety. So we're going to try an experiment, um, and it's an experiment that's going to run for four weeks. So the way it's going to work is we're going to have a pulpit exchange. Some of you were here last fall, and you had a chance to see Allison Burchett. She was the pastor of Trinity, who came here in November, and I went to her church. We're going to do a four-way, a four-way um, a pulpit exchange during Lent. So, if nothing else, you'll have variety. You may still hate the sermons the way some of you do now, but but that's okay. Um, you'll hate a whole new sermon. So, um, so and you know who knows? You may actually like them. So, um, so that's the that's the schedule for the next couple of weeks. These are the four. Um, uh, Presbyterian pastors who are part of the, the Anchorage, uh, churches. So, um, Allison, some of you have met, uh, Matt Schultz from First Prez and, um, Ellen Johnson Price from Emmanuel Prez. So, um, that's, that's the plan and then I'll be back and uh, starting in March, I'll be back for quite a while. So, um, that is the plan and, um, enjoy my absence and, uh, I'll see you, I'll see you around, but I'm hoping that you'll have an opportunity to really enjoy, um, Lint as much as it can be enjoyed, because you'll have that variety, you'll have something that's different, and you'll have something that's familiar and rhythmic. So, so with that, um, uh, I do encourage you to be a um, an activist for rest, because God gives rest to his people. Let's pray. Holy God, um, you have made us for yourself, and in this world... Where our understanding and our vision of you is so so small, we will always be restless. But we pray, O God, that during this time of Lent, you will you will give us opportunities, as you gave the Israelites, opportunities to take rest, not not as a requirement, but as a gift. Help us, Lord, to embrace that op- the opportunities that come to us to to sleep, to have conversations to not busy ourselves. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.